everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Shake Current Podcast. I'm Cecilia Hikena. I'm M. Gaudi. And we are research fellows at Cincinnati Children's Hospital. And along with Stay Current, we are sharing knowledge to improve child health around the globe. So today we have another episode of the Case-Based Journal Review Podcast with Dr. Jose Campos. I'm Jose Campos. I work at Roberto del Rio Hospital in Santiago de Chile. I'm part of the Chilean Society for Pediatric Surgery, and I represent a group of 25 volunteers who are bringing you the best pediatric surgical literature called Journal Hive. So as a quick reminder, we are going to talk about a pathology and review the literature among with the experts on one topic. Today's topic is CDH. And for that, we also brought another expert, Dr. Fernando Bulletin. He's a neonatal and fetal surgeon in Chile. He did his training both in Cincinnati and in Barcelona. Yeah, it's a pleasure to talk with you and, and having me in this conversation. The articles are listed and linked in the description below. Follow along and read with us. We have a 24-week scan in a pregnancy that had a left CDH with a liver herniation, and all the predictors says it's a severe CDH. What do you do next? Refer the patient to FIDO or to deliver in an ECMO center? Todd, do you want to start? I deliver in an ECMO center if it's severe because I don't do FIDO. So I would refer to a, a place that knows better than me. <laughs> you do have ECMO in Cincinnati, don't you? ECMO yeah. and fetal. Yeah. What about you, Fernando? What would you do? We don't have fetal treatment for this patient right now. I'm the same as Fernando. We, we don't have fetal anywhere in Chile. What did the data show? This is the first article for today. It's called FIDO for Moderate and Severe Congenital Diaphragmatic Hernia, a Systematic Review and Meta-Analysis. As the title says, of course, it's a systematic review and meta-analysis that was done in Germany. And they wanted to elucidate the efficacy of FITO for increasing survival in patients with moderate or severe CDH. So they looked at all the randomized controlled trials that find four that were useful that got 341 patients in total. And what they found is that the general survival was higher in the fetal group, specifically significant in patients who had severe CDH. So these are places that have FIDO and ECMO. And so when they took the pathway of FIDO, they did better than if they didn't, which in, in turn probably would have required ECMO. But I'm assuming a lot of these FIDO patients also required ECMO. Some of them still needed ECMO, but some of them got to avoid ECMO due to the FIDO mm -hmm. intervention. Well, I am not agree with that since if you review the number of the center with great number of babies with CDH that are doing ECMO, the survival of this patient is almost 50 or more percent. So I don't know if when you read the total trial, not all the center in Europe use ECMO. So what you're saying is that it depends on how good your results with ECMO are, if you have moderate or bad results with ECMO, then you, your fetal patients are going to look super good compared to them. Now, I do have a question, Fernando, though, about how this is all going to work. So I can't think of many centers that do fetal but are not experts in neonatal and ECMO. Like, that is so high level to be doing fetal that it would be crazy that you would be doing fetal but not have all the other elements. So is the algorithm going to be that 
a mom has a baby that is a severe CDH, they would travel to a fetal center because where they live, they may not get access in time to ECMO. Like, is that the algorithm? Well, that happened in Europe. They're just MFM that are doing fetal, but then they born in another center. Oh, so that's why they do it. That's interesting. But if you do fetal, you're not taking out the chances of doing ECMO after. So you can do both. To summarize this, if you have a baby that has a severe CDH, you should consider sending to a center that does fetal to evaluate if that would increase the prognosis of the baby's chance of survival at your center. Okay, so let's say fetal wasn't available. We're in Chile and now the baby is born and requires ECMO. Would you operate early on ECMO or after the ECMO? I'm going to answer first because I did my training with Fernando. And while I was in training, we used to operate after ECMO. So they, they would go on ECMO. If the baby survived, it was like a trial for life. They would take out the ECMO and then we would do the repair. Nobody was comfortable doing this after the ECMO run. So we started doing this protocol of doing very early. So we put the baby, for example, six or eight hours, they are connected on ECMO. And then the surgery is doing eight or 10 hours later. My feeling is not doing better. How do you deal with the, with the anticoagulation of the ECMO run and with your surgery? How do you do that? Well, the neonatologists are in charge of that, and we decrease the heparin and use uh, Amicar previous, during, and after the surgery. I was always what you said, Jose. I always waited till after we decannulated, and then it was a trial on life, and if they survived, they, they did, or whatever, but we never repaired on, because I did one as a fellow, and it was a bloody mess. The one you brought is post-surgical repair of CDH after ECMO cannulation, early repair, improved survival. It's a paper from 2021 from Boston Children's Hospital. And they looked at basically what is the best surgical timing if you're using an ECMO. And they created two arms in this study. It was a retrospective cohort study. In first arm, they compared the on versus after ECMO repair. And the second arm, they compared the early versus late repair on ECMO. And in the first arm, they found that patients in the on ECMO group demonstrated a lower mortality rate and lower hazard ratio and lower incidence of non-repair. And in the second arm, early repair of CDH on ECMO was associated with lower mortality rate, hazard ratio, and lower incidence of non-repair. So they're saying that on is better than after and early is better than late. I think there's been a bunch of these and, and the one that you commented uh, taught as well, but I think sometimes after a big study, many centers change their practice. And there's been, I think, at least four of these reports that confirm this data. And my feeling is that this is a practice change. Awesome. Okay. so. We have to repair this patient. And what is your preferred technique? Do you use BATS or do you use an open approach? If I can do it in the operating room, I do it thoracoscopic. Mm -hmm. unless, it unless the baby's sick and I do it in the neonatal intensive care unit, then I do it open. What do you do, Fernando, nowadays? Most commonly is open approach. The BATS are just for those babies that really don't need 
oxygen in the neonatal intensive care. And if we need, for example, a patch, we switch to open. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I would like to be very selective. And, and I, I really like Todd's answer because actually if the child is able to go to a theater, it's like a summary of all that uh, assessment. Like Fernando, if I have to put a patch, I will convert. We, not always, but sometimes in Argentina, we put patch through thoracoscopic technique. Same. So let's talk about the paper that we brought today. It's called Minimally Invasive versus Open Repair of Boschlelic Hernia and Meta-Analysis. Well, as the name says, this is a meta-analysis that was done in Canada in 2014 that looked back for all the studies between MIS and open surgery for CDH. And what they found is that the MIS approach has higher rates of recurrence, especially in patch, and a longer time for the surgery. And the open, the open repair got more post-op ventilator time and higher mortality rates. Yeah, the, the other thing about this is the, the what you say in the in the paper is the time that you require to do the the VAT procedure. If you're doing in a baby that require drugs or special ventilation, increasing the, the, the CO2, decreasing the pH, I think it's it's not good for the patient as well. I think it has to do that, like you can improve your technique by training, but this might be one of the cases that is just not as good as surgery as open. And that's kind of painful for me to say because I love minimal invasive surgery, but I don't know. I'm not sure where, where the pendulum is swinging right now. Here's the deal. It's not about laparoscopy versus open. The question is why would there be any difference in the recurrence rate? So what would be the difference in the repair when you do it through a scope that these people are finding recurrences? What could be the difference? Well, one could be that maybe there's not enough scar and so they don't oppose and scar together. One could be that people don't unfurl the diaphragm enough when they're going through the chest. Another could be that people are taking a bite at the exact same level when they're thoracoscopic every single time. So you're getting a bundle of muscle and it could pull away. Some could say that maybe we're not putting enough stitches in. Whatever it is, instead of saying whether it's with a camera or with an open incision, it would be better to understand what is happening in the operation that we believe is causing it. Okay, so let's say you do it open and this time you're asking, do you prefer muscle flap or a mesh? Will depend of what kind of defect we have. Usually I use mesh, but if I have good uh, lift of a uh, diaphragm, posteriorly, I use the flap. I applaud that, Fernando, because most people know how to do one or the other. And so you're not really getting a good comparison because like I know how to do mesh. And I, I think it's great that you do both because you have sort of a protocolized way of deciding. So what I do nowadays is that I decide intraoperatively. So instead of doing a subcostal incision following the line of the ribs, I just do a much lower transverse one. With that, I have the possibility of developing a flap if I see that the defect is small or medium enough to fit my flap. But if not, with my transverse, instead of a subcostal incision, I've just made my mesh repair a bit more difficult, but not 
as difficult that is impossible. Yeah, let's look at the paper. It is called flap repair in congenital diaphragmatic hernia leads to lower rates of recurrence. It's a paper from 2019 from University of Colorado. Their main question to look at if muscle flap repair as good as mesh repair in CDH cases. They had retrospective cohort of 52 patients from 2008 to 2018. And according to their study, patients who undergo flap repair have a lower risk of recurrence compared to those with patch repair and this might be due to the ability of the flap to grow over time with the child so even though they have a lower risk of recurrence this paper doesn't tell us if any any of them is way better than the other one i don't think other articles or i don't think in my very small experience slaps are better but i do think they they could be as good as a patch if they are well indicated and also there are some centers that they don't have the match so if you don't have the possibility to 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 get the match you can use the flap and should be the same at least the same rate of uh, radiation Okay, so when you use a mesh, a biological or a synthetic one? I would never use a biologic by itself. It's not meant to be a bridge. That's not how it was designed. I do use biologic to reinforce the patch. You can put it on top, but I would not use it instead of a synthetic patch. I don't have experience with biological. So the fifth article for today is synthetic versus biological patches for CD8. The comparisons of recurrence rates and adverse events systematic review and meta-analysis. So as, as it says, it's a systematic review and meta-analysis done in the UK, and their aim was to compare the recurrence rate and complication of these two patches. And what they found is that the biological one, they got 986 patients, 226 received biological patches, and 760 synthetic. The biological ones got a recurrence rate of 30.3%, whereas synthetic patches got 16.7. Also talking about additions, the biologicals got between 7 and 35, and the synthetic between 4 and 29. The only thing that synthetic was worst was the chest wall deformities that it produced, that 80% of them got pectus. That chest deformity rate of 80% seems super high. What do you think, Fernando? What's your experience? Have you had that amount of chest deformity in the long term? No. One of the problems is the skeletal deformity that is coming with the disease. So I don't know if it's the pain of the patch. But it does make sense in a type D that the synthetic patch will pull on the ribs and, and cause chest deformity. But type D defects are very rare. Why they they consider a chest deformity? Oh, that's a good point as well. Yeah. And one of the drawbacks of this study was that there were different synthetic meshes, different biological meshes, different techniques to fixate on them. So there was a, quite a lot of heterogeneity that, that was not accounted for. And the last one is, would you do a routine fund application at the time of CDH repair? I'm doing the fund application in those patients that are type D defect and are on ECMO. I haven't done any prophylactic fund application. And, and once I heard this from Fernando, I was uh, very eager to find out his results because he's actually 
always changing, always improving, always seeking for better results. And I don't know. So the paper called Anti-Reflex Surgery in Children with CDH, a prospective cohort study on a controversial practice. It's published at JPS in 2022. It's a study from France. And in this study, there were 762 CDH neonates included. 81 underwent fund application, either preventative or the curative. And according to their results, preventive fund application during a patch rate does not necessarily decrease to require a curative fund application and is also associated with worse GI outcomes for these kids. I got the result different what what the studies say. In those babies that I have done the fund application, I haven't done another surgery for that. So it, it's been a definitive repair, both yes. from the CDH and the fund application. What makes you decide to do uh, fund application and the at the time of the repair because according to the study it doesn't change the chances of having to need another fund application it's just the side of the thick that i know later on i will need to do a fund application in a baby that just had a very difficult surgery i was very surprised to see that they even have higher rates of failure to thrive like 81 percent versus 51 percent that is a lot and it makes me wonder if these were selected patients I'm i think what this this article is saying is don't do a routine fondo but i think your approach is a bit different your approach is in very 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 severe patients just do the Fonda because it's a nightmare to come back and, and have it done. And I think that would be a very, very good information to have for everyone. Awesome. What a great session. So to summarize a little bit, first we talk about fetal for CDH and we learned that it's good and improves outcome in severe CDH patients. But that depends on how good your ECMO center is. So it's not for everyone. The second thing we talk about is when to do the repair if our patient is in ECMO. And we all agree that as soon as we can, we should perform the repair because it's better outcomes for our patients to do an early repair in ECMO. Third, minimal invasive surgery should be selected for the healthiest patients, not the ones that are requiring a lot of ventilator or vasoactive support. Talking about muscle flaps. Our papers show us that muscle flaps are as good as patches, depending on how big the defect is. So in most of cases, we have to choose according to the patient. Then we talked about synthetic versus biological mesh. Definitely use <laughs> synthetic. Last but not least, we talk about fund applications, patients with CDH at the moment of the repair. And based on the literature, it doesn't give our patients less gastroesophageal reflux in the future and the need of a new surgery. So we are not sure that's really beneficial. But Fernando is going to show us in a few years whether it's good for selected type D on ECMO patients. That was all for today. Don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel, follow us on social media, and download the StayCurrent app for hundreds of pieces of content in pediatric surgery. I'm M. Gaudi. And I'm Cecilia Kikena. And we are research fellows at Cincinnati Children's Hospital. And along with State Current, we are sharing knowledge to improve child health around the globe.